Yahoo! In honor of the Super Mario Brothers movie, what is your favorite game featuring Mario, Katie Rich, the only other person who's on the line with me? <laughs> Hello, it's me. It's a me. Uh, <laughs> I am more Mario fluent than you would think given uh, my stated opinions about video games because I played Super Mario World entirely as a kid. Like, spent an entire summer beating Super Mario World. That is the one, the one true Mario. Love it. Uh, I'm Dave with a seven and not that far off. I'm going just one console older, and I did the exact same thing with a little game called Mario 64 mm. that I replayed a couple of years ago on a Raspberry Pi device, and it is still incredibly hard. Uh, yeah. But kept a lot Wait, of my Mario memory. Mario 64 in there. is is newer than the Super Mario World that I played, right? I feel like 64 came after that. I had the Super Nintendo where I played Mario Yes, it World. did come after, but it's one generation of video games after. I you. see. Okay. So it's like the Super Mario World was on the Super Nintendo system. Yep. And you had and the Mario 64. The, the, the 64. Yeah. yeah. See, this is the kind of deep knowledge that makes us uh, the target audience for Super Mario. Whatever the <laughs> movie's called. Uh, but which we'll be talking about next week. But yeah. uh, don't worry about it. This is just the lightning round. Gentlemen, you can't fight in here. This is the war room. Fine, I can hear you now, Dimitri. Clear and plain and coming through fine. I'm coming through fine too, eh? Good, then. Well, then, as you say, we're both coming through fine. Good. Well, it's good that you're fine and, and I'm fine. I agree with you. It's great to be fine. It's, it's awesome. Awesome. Hello, and welcome to Fighting in the Warm. It's episode 424.9. Oh, boy. Mm hmm those numbers are climbing up. We, we, got, we got some work to do. Uh, it's Pandemic 165. It's the week of Thursday, April 6th. That's the day that in 2009, J.J. Abrams of Star Trek Reboot premiered. I remember this being a May movie. I just read the things that you write for me. Uh, yeah. Well, did I say premiered? I said premiered. It yeah. probably premiered on April 6th, and then we all got to see it in May. Where Premieres would it happen forever Oh, it, it had a premiere at the Sydney Opera House. Yeah, that seems like a great photo opportunity uh, for for Star did, Star Trek. I did not remember that. Oh, they had a surprise public screening at the Alamo Draft House in Austin. Now I'm on their deep on their Wikipedia page. Uh, I loved that movie. It's oh, it's a great movie, and it, and it relaunched Trek into the zeitgeist, and ultimately gave us uh, the wonderful world of new Trek TV shows that we're living in now. It's true. So. Well, Thank we're going to talk about Chris Pine later, but I've been thinking about that also as a, uh, a large uh, four quadrant blockbuster that uh, one of my kids in particular might actually be into seeing. Yeah. Uh, I think starting with Trek in general would be tough. Anyway, we'll, we'll get there. Um, you're about to hear from David Ehrlich. I feel like I don't want to um, bury the lead. Uh, it's, it's not a full episode because Patches is gone. We're not doing the quarter quell. David's going to come in and out. But first, David's not here to read the reviews, but you are, Dave. That's right. Uh, we have two new reviews uh, where we like them in the Apple Podcasts app uh, in America. If you, for some reason, do not have access to the Apple Podcast app review or live outside of America, uh, you could send us uh, things via email to fitwr.podcast at gmail.com. But these are where we want them and five stars how we like them. This first one's called Stolen Valor, five Ooh. stars from somebody called Morrison.278. This is my favorite film and culture podcast. I find the hosts interesting even, especially when I disagree with the take or when they're talking about something I otherwise don't care about. A.O. Scott was just on the Daily Podcast talking about quitting film criticism in part because of franchises making films critic-proof, algorithms feeding endless content in place of seeking things out based on reviews, and streaming making great films easier to put off because they'll always be there. Do you all have any thoughts about this? Does it change your approach to what you prioritize in your writing? Also, they played the I Can Hear You Fine Demetri clip from Dr. Strangelove, which <laughs> felt like Michael Barbro stealing Valor from Fitwer. Yeah, I was just waiting to see if we were being accused of um, stealing Valor. Oh, yeah. I um, have my uh, grandfather's, now past grandfather's, uh, jacket from when he was in the Korean War. Mm, and now that's stolen it. valor, I think. Well, I love it. It's a great shell jacket, and I—that's uh, the thing I'm the most worried about—is when people come up and think it's my jacket. I mm. have to immediately, first of all, be very polite, and second of all, uh, 
deflect uh, to my my grandfather. So I guess they, I think, if they know what they're talking about, they know you didn't serve in the Korean War. So right. hopefully well, it's not too removed, confusing. I've also removed all the patches except my grandfather's rank patch. Mm. Um, so I don't want to be doing anything that I'm not. But yes, uh, Stolen Valor... It just means that somebody played a Doctor Strange love clip. Not and we own podcast. that movie. It's, That's it's, right. It's ours. It's, yeah, well known. So, Katie, are you ever going to quit film criticism in part because franchise making films credit proof, algorithms feeding endless content, <laughs> places it can be out based on reviews, and streaming making great films easier to p- put off because they'll always be there? I don't know that I'm really in film criticism beyond the uh, confines of this podcast, which is kind of how I like it because I think it's fun to talk about a broader range of things. But I definitely get how it's frustrating if you are a critic and you're trying to like guide people toward things and feel like you're, you know, people are listening to you to shape their taste, which I would argue A.O. Scott certainly was doing. Um, I get how it can start to feel demoralizing. Like I think the the ways that people discover things are really, really different from when he got started. Um I don't, but also, like, he's done it for a long time. Like, I don't think he has to, like, explain himself of why he's moving on. He's going to go do something different. Who can blame oh, him? Yeah. I mean, A.O. Scott could do what he wants. That I'll say that. Yeah. Uh, but also, I have been lucky enough to never be in a situation, uh, like, maybe somebody we're going to check in with in a little bit, where it's like, <laughs> film criticism is my job. I've mm-hmm. always been lucky enough to have outlets like this, or... Uh, you know, places that'll like let me throw a piece up every once in a while. I, I don't even partake in Letterboxd as fully as other people. Uh, and that's a place that I could expand to if I feel like I need to do some like film criticism. But I do agree that it's weird. The modern state of where does film criticism fit is weird uh, because I think there's a like a swath of people that uh are I'm getting to know uh but are still mostly in like the blog or YouTube space and then mm-hmm. there's the people that I already know that are in the now probably entirely dead but I still pay attention print space mm-hmm. and I sort of uh, put a wall up in between those the two things so I imagine if you're in the print space things are looking really dire just because that model is somewhat different where it's like is my ultimate value to be a rotten tomatoes critic like that Mm -hmm. feels bad i could understand that uh but i do think there's a lot of great criticism going on uh with the youngins in the digital Mm -hmm. space it's just uh it's it's half interesting to hear uh well thought out opinions and half interesting to see them uh learn about film history like we did when we were little blogging youngins well, uh, yeah, I mean, and that's the question about the, like the streaming era thing. Like, you know, there's no urgency to watching things, but it also makes it much, much more easier to be like, "Hey, I'm going to write about uh, whatever the Brian De Palma movie." You're going to hear David or David talk about it in a minute. Like that, the idea of pointing people toward things that they can discover—that's easier than it ever was. Like, if that's something you derive pleasure from, like if you are someone like A.O. Scott and has a big platform like that where people are watching you or reading you, um, there's a power in that. Yeah, and it's it's. It's going to be, no, I don't want to go there yet. Let's not make this an inflammatory podcast before we even start the podcast. This next review (laughs) is titled A Warning, and it comes from someone calling themselves Man of Science, and it is five stars, so we love it. A Warning reads, all this Marvel snap talk has led me down a deep, dark path. (laughs) In the past week, I have downloaded and subsequently played Marvel Snap incessantly. I have no idea why it's so addicting. The gameplay isn't that exciting, and I don't really care about Marvel, and I blame you guys, so I need to write this <laughs> review to prevent more Marvel Snap discussion so others don't fall into this trap. Who am I kidding? I can only blame myself. Love you guys, except when Patches uh, gets too galaxy-brained. Great podcast. <laughs> what? I thought people listened to us for Patches getting too galaxy-brained. I mean, for everybody that loves the discussion of how you wipe, I'm sure there's some that are just like, <laughs> well, let I love these guys. Let them get away with it. Uh, uh, I could have written this review because I also don't understand why I keep going back to Marvel Snap, except for, as I keep mentioning, that I don't have Twitter on my phone anymore. And I'm like, ah, where will my fingers go? Um, well, yes. Why, why, why is it a good game or not a good game, but it's still a, a valuable one? Oh, I mean, I, I like the gameplay loop. I've in, enjoyed card playing games. Uh everything beyond magic i have magic cards i have some decks i'm okay with but i never really plugged into that um but i all the digital card games like i was into hearthstone which is uh the fantasy 
World of Warcraft based card game that the developer of Marvel Snap worked on before he worked on Marvel Snap. Mm. I get it. I even uh, started playing last week Marvel Midnight Suns, which is a full on PS5 game, but it has card based turn based combat. So I was just like, more cards for my heroes. And as I was playing it, Java's like, is this your phone game? And I'm like, no, it's a different card game. And she made a sound that uh, said she does not approve. Uh, if you, you soldier forward. Exactly. If you also do not approve, please leave us a review or send us an email, fitwr.podcast at gmail.com. Let's move on with the show. David Ehrlich, hi, you're back. It's so nice to have you here. I'm back in pog form. I'm David the Gray or David the White. What, what is, is the second one? Uh, uh, the, the White's the second one. Yeah, yeah there yeah. we go. I, I, if, uh, I wasn't, if I wasn't David the White before, I don't know what I was. I was about to say, how many new white hairs do you have in, in your beard uh, you know, now that I, you have two uh, children? I, I, I have to give an update on the subject. I'm so glad you asked. I know this is what all of our <laughs> listeners were eager to hear. I noticed the other morning um that i have sprouted my first white chest hairs i think Ooh, this is something wow. that I, I only have my my second child to blame uh they came out uh, like a fucking like cartoon hair like sprung out like two full inches you know <laughs> like not just like <laughs> the bud <laughs> of a hair but it was like boing <laughs> like the, full, the hair came all the way out it's like uh yeah it was uh, dramatic. It was like we've arrived. We've reached a new point in your time on this mortal coil. Uh, and not thrilled about it, but <laughs> I am starting to like my my daughter. So I guess it all evens out in the wash. Uh, yeah, I, I'm sad that Patches is not here for us to get the form update that uh, two kids is harder than one, huh? Yeah, I never would have seen that coming. Yeah, I mean... I, I I maintain naively or not that it's going to balance out. I think even in the eight week sample size that I've had so far, uh, it, it's been getting easier every week mm-hmm. as the mm-hmm. schedule becomes slightly more routine. Um, and Asa's freakouts are a little bit, you know, he he's been so incredibly sweet to Ray, his baby sister, but he has been acting out and needing attention in other ways, and I think we're bringing that under control a little bit. So it's been getting a little bit easier, getting a little bit more to a rhythm, race sleeping longer, developing more melatonin, being able to under, uh, differentiate a little better between day and night. All that shit helps. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. I think we'll be okay. Maybe not financially. Turns out kids <laughs> eat a lot of berries. It's not really a great problem. Fucking yet, God, they eat be, so many berries. it's going to be doubled. Have, have we talked about this on the podcast or has I heard other people? Like, your blueberry budget is just out of control when you have uh, I mean, that shit's gonna uh, we have not talked about this on the I, podcast because this is news to me i have uh i have been paid for the last two months because i cashed out all my vacation time but i'm taking off work again in june which is a similar schedule that i did when ace was born uh when elisa goes back to work just to have some bonding time with the baby when they're a little bit older and i'm not getting paid for that time and i think the, the blueberries alone are gonna send me into the red well, you got to teach that kid to eat cheap fruit, bananas. Bananas are always there and affordable. Yes. Uh, yeah. I don't know if that argument's going to work against Asa, who is only just starting <laughs> to understand the concept of money that like I give him a two of the little green and white paper thingies and he gives them to the lady who sells ice cream and mm-hmm. uh, he gets ice cream in return. Mm, a little uh, and then he's like, why don't you have way. cash on you? And you're like, nobody carries cash anymore. This is crazy. Yeah, I mean that is me. really the only time in my life where I need to have cash on hand, <laughs> and mm-hmm. if I didn't, and if you it would don't, be, you're in so it would much be trouble. the biggest crisis that I've ever had. Yeah, uh, in terms you're in of a huge amount of trouble. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, it's you know two kids cutting it off there. Uh, <laughs> my my wife <laughs> would be literally I think really, the, uh, the choice. Sustain. Our apartment could absolutely not sustain more children. Um, yeah, we done. What have you been uh, doing with your half wakeful hours? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I think intellectually I understood that this paternity leave was not going to be as serene uh, and no, that I wouldn't be quite as productive if I can call it that as it was when I just was on my paternity leave with my first kid. Uh, but emotionally, 
the reality of that has been challenging. <laughs> um, but yeah. I have weirdly watched like twice as many movies from start to finish as I did on my first maternity leave. I think maybe just because I've been doing it more regularly, like every night I'm like, I'm going to pop on a movie. I've had a project because I'm gearing up for uh, IndieWire's 80s week feature at the end of the summer after we did 90s week last year. So I've been just trying to watch a lot of movies from the 80s that I haven't seen or haven't seen in a long time. So I've seen like 50 some on movies. Um, some really good ones. I should actually pull up that list. because You've uh, watched 50 movies in the last eight weeks? I have watched, including Air, let's see, which I saw today. I have watched 53 movies. That is um, incredible. Yeah, that's, that's yeah. really good. Two months is like that's a movie like a one day. A, that's like one a yeah. day. Yeah. But like, uh, how, I just the amount of brain cells. I mean, I guess you're watching some 80s movies that don't require like the most brain cells, but good Lord. Excuse me, Michelle Yeoh in Yes, Madam requires all of the seven brain cells that I have left. Um, <laughs> I, it's actually, you know, that was the, the Michelle Yeoh movie I was most excited to see in Criterion's Michelle Yeoh package and probably the least rewarding. Ultimately, I'd say like Magnificent Warriors or even Royal Warriors were way better. Anyway, um, but yeah, so I've been I've been watching a lot of shit. And this is in addition to. Uh, what I expected to be watching, which is a shit ton of mediocre and ex- mediocre scripted television and exceptional reality television. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the new season of Love is Blind. Thank God. Netflix. I give you a lot of shit, but big ups to putting this one out right when I needed it most. Um, what else have I been watching? Shrinking, which is a pleasant morning show in both senses of the word, I suppose. Um, <laughs> I was supposed to say, I, is it just the morning show again? Yeah. No, I'm mourning in, as an M-O-U-R-N because it's about a guy grieving his wife. And also I oh, watch it in the right. morning because it's got that vibe. Um, what, oh, you know, you know what I fucking obsessed <laughs> over? The highlight, the highlight of my paternity leave, and this includes having a beautiful daughter, mm-hmm. is uh, has been watching The Traitors on Peacock. Oh, uh, people love The Traitors. Specifically the British and Australian versions. The American version can kind of go fuck itself. Um, you don't like the Alan Cumming version? He's fine. He's like very hammy and over the top. All the hosts have their own shtick, but the it's all basically the same challenges as the British version, sort of a less interesting cast and story, and the whole like half reality star angle. I don't think this is good, but the British version and the Australian version of the Traders are like legitimately some of the most involving reality TV I've ever seen in my entire life. During the finale of the Australian one, I, well, I cried at the end of the British one, and during the reality, the final finale of the Australian one I was shouting at my television uh paying no mind to the baby bouncing on my chest who's like what the fuck is going on <laughs> um but uh that I, that is my highest recommendation of just not only things to watch but just things to do with your your time on so uh, those of you who are listening to this audio podcast and did the thing I did there is a movie called Traders that is also on Peacock. That's not what we're looking for. We're looking for oh. traitors. The traitors. Wait, tra- traitors. you mean like traitors, like a uh, like day traders, like like Wall Street? Uh, no, 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 you were no, looking this is like for you were looking the reality, for reality show shows. about people. Yeah, who I know. I know you. the reader show is traitor, like the traitors, like Benedict Arnold. That's a reference the kids. Know. I googled the wrong spelling, and the first thing that yeah. came up was you're looking for a reality show ah. that is modeled after the party game Mafia. Uh, that has a bunch of people. It's like the mole, right? Like, uh, it's kind of like the mole, but I was a Mafia big fan is a game mole. near and dear to my heart, and this really has the brilliant idea of just making it a reality show. It started in Denmark, I believe, and there are a couple seasons there, but now it's expanded and is a huge hit uh, in the English-speaking versions, and it is real, real good. And uh, yeah, that's that's been great, man. Every morning that I was waking up on three hours of sleep, I was like, you know what? Life's not all bad. Yeah, so that uh, yeah, that helps explain the uh, fifty eighties movies that you've had some reality TV thrown in there. Yeah, built. I did like it all a season adds up a little better in like two. Like I did a season in two days for both of them. Uh, this so is uh, it's pretty all a little in. bit surprising for me because I assumed you would have a video game you were chugging through while doing well, all this. It's been Marvel Snap, know, right? Yeah, I've been whole hog, full bore addicted to <laughs> Marvel Snap. I, I as and as Dave and Katie also know. I uh, summited the heights of Mount Marvel Snap last season and achieved the Infinity Rank. Uh, and I'm just going to pause for gasps of awe mm-hmm. and worship mm-hmm. from our listenership. Um, yeah, crushed it. No worries. That's uh, sort of a rougher <laughs> start in this new season now, but we'll figure it out. It's, the new uh, season you, started like yesterday? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Um, I still don't understand Marvel. I've been playing a lot of the Marvel stuff. I think I talked last week about how I don't have Twitter on my phone anymore, so I've been playing Marvel Snap. Oh. But I still don't really get the seasons and and what happens when the seasons. change. It's just they need an incentive for you to reinvest, uh, like emotionally, if not financially. And you know, once you cap out at the end of the season, the seasons last a month. They start over. They introduce the new cards, new locations. They give you new so they rewards, take away some of your like score, like your like they reset status? it. Dep- like it's it's relative to where you what you achieved in the previous season. Uh, so if you like me um, are brilliant enough to <laughs> become <laughs> Infinity Rank, which is the level one hundred, they will start you at level seventy in the following season, um, as opposed oh, okay. to like level twenty or wherever uh, low peon like you might start. Um, and, yeah, so uh, I went back to iron, I believe. Oh, but I can't really so figure upsetting. out what my rank means. <laughs> Me I know I keep asking them those reps. I keep asking like the most nitty gritty questions about Marvel Snap on the anyway, air. Anyway, that is no a, this. a huge and Marvel Snap also, and part of its genius is, is that it is a game that can be played with one hand, uh, which when mm-hmm. you are attending to a newborn child is very helpful. Um, and I, my my baby, um, my first baby, you know, was happy to just chill on the boppy on on his back and like you put a pacifier in his mouth whenever he got a little anxious and that was cool new baby obviously uh, as second kids want to do is uh the inverse of the first kid needs to be held at all times or bounced once she was big enough to go in the baby bjorn it was a game changer but i oh, wear yeah. her like several hours a day she's like totally copacetic in that thing and irate when she's not in it but i can just walk around playing marvel snap around my apartment um with her in there it's a grand old time. Uh, so I've been doing a lot of that. I've been playing. Uh, oh, this is going to this is going to get a call from like the the what's the, the children's uh, protection agency. When I, the other. Yeah. The other video game playing I've been doing, which has been playing uh, both The Last of Us and The Last of Us Part Two, you know, for the like, <laughs> time with just uh, playing with them Asa, again with my three year old. Um, oh. who thinks it's hilarious and loves it and uh, calls all the zombies the affected scary guys and just like cackles hilariously. He's too young to be scared about these mm-hmm. things. Um, and so he just thinks it's funny and he like, you know, we would get the supplies and then he does this really cute thing when the infected come and he puts his hand over his own eyes. Um, <laughs> I taught him not to look. <laughs> it's really adorable. I think if you were four or five and it was going to lead to either violent behavior or nightmares, I would obviously not be doing it. But um, it's a great way to spend 15 minutes after he comes home from daycare. So we are, you know, all the way in Abbey Day 3 of The Last of Us Part 2 after playing the first one. Um, he doesn't You'll know what that means show. in a couple of years, Katie. Yeah, I'll, I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll just keep focusing on Marvel Snap in the meantime. Yeah, <laughs> The Last of Us Part 2 is much, 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 much scarier than the first one to play through. And it invariably offers scarier things to watch. And there are parts of that, especially when the dogs are involved, that I just find an excuse to turn it off because... There's a line, even for me, even for me, who was someone who was raised by, you can watch whatever the hell you want. And as far as I'm concerned, that worked out fine. Um, I, you know, I think I, I don't, I really, I don't want him to be troubled, but we've been doing that. That's been my main video game obsession. I'm playing some NHL 20. David, have you gone outside? Have you gone outside? Uh, I've been swimming a lot. Wow. That's, that's been my, because I fucked up. Hours? I'm just like, it feels like you have more hours than I do now. Uh, and I'm, well, you know, Ace is I'll in daycare. baby. And uh, I'm not working. Yeah, not working goes a long way. Let me tell you. It's true. Uh, it's true. But yeah, I've been. I fucked up my leg years ago, like too fucked up to run, which really bummed me out. And then at the start of this paternity leave, I fucked up my leg embarrassingly on the elliptical, which is the machine they invented for people not to fuck up their legs on. You know, <laughs> like um, and so I was like, "What's left is swimming." And so I've been going down to the YMCA and swimming, and I hate it. Uh, but do it. Worked for Don Draper. Only Thirty minutes. You know what? I think about that every day, and every day I come out of the pool <laughs> and I and I don't look like Don Draper. Um, yeah, he would look like Don Draper when he went into the pool, so I think mm-hmm. he had an advantage. Um, it's true, but yeah. Uh, otherwise, he and I are exactly the same. Um, yeah, for better or worse. and you're equally as dead inside. Uh, Everyone should try to be just like you. Two kids, second, uh, yeah. silver chest has, hairs. Well, he eventually has three, which uh, is a line I'm going to cross. But uh, I think I've already spent more time with my second child than he ever did with me. <laughs> <laughs> um, and certainly change more diapers. Uh, yeah, I've been swimming. I don't know. Next time you see me, tell me I look ripped, even though it's a bold faced lie. Uh, and I've been. But do you yeah, feel ripped? Weeks, that's what matters. My upper body feels kind of tired. I guess it's the same thing. 
Yeah, that's the definition of ripped. I also like I've been swimming like a fish since I you know was sentient, but this is the first time in my life I've ever been consistently like lap swimming. You know, mm. and mm-hmm. I feel like I don't know how to swim. Like I like I know how to swim very well, but I feel like I my form when I'm doing the breaststroke or or freestyle is like so fucked up and wrong that you never I, did like swim team or anything where like someone would have coached you in not. any of this. And like yeah. everyone in the other lanes, even people who, um, you know, don't seem particularly in shape, not that I do are like crushing me. Not that we're racing, but they're like, I'm sitting there, you know, puffing and they're blowing by me. <laughs> like, <laughs> and, and I'm just like, I must be doing something horribly wrong. And I've watched YouTube videos. It seems to be, I'm doing things right enough, but um anyway it's getting me do you listen to things while you swim or are you just in like total silence no i'm not gonna drop a couple hundred bucks on the headphones that allow you to listen to shit underwater and i'm also so intensely anxious about where other people are in the lane um Mm. it's usually all i can think about is just you know am i sharing a lane with one two or three other people where are they what stroke can i do now so that we pass each other rather than having to like like we pass each other coming in opposite directions rather than um, having to pass each other in the same direction it's it's a lot and it's stressful and I really appreciate not having to think about that shit when you're on the elliptical or the treadmill um, oh well uh, nice to have a YMCA nearby yeah uh, and I mean, terms of- you you sound absolutely like at peak productiveness despite your your family situation right now I know well it's because I'm not once I once I'm working and I already like you know, I'm doing a little bit to get ready to go back to work. I it's all going to fall apart. I mean, who knows how I'm possibly going to keep up my my swim routine. Uh, I think the real reality of being a dad of two is not going to set in until I have a job to do. Um, are they going to be at the but, same daycare? That's key. Yeah, they are. Um, yeah. Okay. And then when yeah. Asa goes to grade school, his school is um, even closer than his daycare, which is a block away from our apartment. So pretty cool. Um, yeah. Uh yeah, what I mean, been chilling. Some movies. I mean, what is the '80s shit that I've watched? Uh, some movie. I've I've been sort of reevaluating Brian De Palma. I've always had kind of an off. I don't know. I, I've never like totally dovetailed Brian De Palma. I struggle to engage with some of his movies, even though I sort of appreciate the virtuosity and what they're doing. Um, but seeing Body Double really opened my eyes to some things. Like I always love Femme Fatale and Blowout, but. Body double uh, is awesome. <laughs> anyway, I'm interrupt. I have like my child. I have a child stirring on my end. Shocker. Oh, is that you? So, I thought uh, that was me. oh God, did you hear that? Okay, yeah. I'm gonna go check in. You guys continue. This is Sam shows. Have you been catching up on Brian De Palma with the uh, movie run that uh, he's, I've heard about? On uh, you must remember this, or do you just no. own the things you rewatch? No, I guess the, the, that's there's my, an that's option my baby. in between. I hear my baby. It's not Katie's baby. Um, oh, uh, well. both the babies, they're talking. We made their brains bigger, and as a side effect, they got smarter. Um, David, they, we love we love having you. Yeah. We'll have you whenever you know you you can make it. Well, and I'll then be back, eventually I'll we be should back, set up like a it or not, full time pretty soon, and we will eventually actually do the quarter quell that has been fucking up with our episode numbering for so long. People now. love decimals. I I uh, turns out. Um, wait, there was another. Before I, oh man, I watched To Live and Die in LA for the first time. Yeah, William mm-hmm. Friedkin is another guy who I sort of run hot and cold on. And that yeah. movie fucking rips. It's hard to find, but it is, uh, it is stellar. It is like, yeah, Miami Vice is shot by Robbie Mueller. And, you know, it, it really felt like I was just snorting cocaine directly off my television. It was great. Um, <laughs> I just came back for that part. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Good deal. That ruled. Uh, what else is I really, really... I loved watching the Jersey Skolomowski, Skolomowski movies that were on Criterion Channel for a minute. Like, it's particularly Deep End, which I hadn't seen. Um, the Shout, less so. And Moonlighting is really solid, but Deep End. And I loved uh, Peter Weir's Gallipoli. Mel Gibson, back when he really brought an interesting energy to the screen. Uh, Gallipoli really broke my heart. And uh, I've never it's seen such Gallipoli. a wonderful contrast to, um, to All Quiet on the Western Front, which does absolutely nothing to advance the war film genre glibly it is really really worth seeing louis malls atlantic city some of the 80s shit that i saw and loved um yeah i don't know movies man saw a bunch of them um obviously a bunch more uh, yeah in my life are you excited to see uh, more I, new movies 
No. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I'm excited, you excited I'm excited. for Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3? I am not. Uh, I oh, am. <laughs> I am did you hear all the Marvel what, news? Like, no, yeah, no, I, mean, no, I am excited for what Palp, and this we can talk about this, you know, if you haven't talked about it already, uh, for what palpably feels like a real diminishment in superhero movies. It really feels, um, even if I haven't been particularly online, like that whole world has taken an irrevocable setback. Um, and that sort of dovetails with the problems that Marvel has had internally. Uh, and that's exciting, especially as other movies continue to make bank. I mean, I would love to see that extend to the art house, but um, yeah, I, I, think, exci- uh, I mean, let me get your opinion on this. Uh, we we've talked a little bit about how like some movies are back. You're going to have, you know, movies that could come out, have great opening weekends, be considered a success. Your Creed threes, your whatnot. Yeah. Do you think movies are back enough that you could have a successful counter programming release? Yeah, I also, I mean, this sort of answers that question. I think even you know, even more exciting than the end of the superhero domination necessarily is the fact that streaming lost. I mean, it did. <laughs> well, I, over the past few months, there's been a stream change, a, a stream change, a sea change. Um, Amazon and Apple have both invested more than a billion dollars in theatrical movies, and suddenly the thinking seems to be across the film industry, and I think it's buttressed by some of the numbers we're seeing with these bigger movies that. The value of a theatrical run, even if it's only a month long, even if it's front loaded to the opening weekends, is too valuable in terms of the respect that it puts on the movies, um, the profile that it gives them in the culture. Uh, and streaming, I don't think you're ever going to see again, or ever is a long time, but for the foreseeable future, the kind of movie like the upcoming Ghosted that Apple's putting out, which is this like mega budget thing that's going directly to streaming without theatrical play. I think that's dying. I think, you know, what you're going to get from now on is... What? Hell- I, I have the Wikipedia page open of, of Apple Productions uh, for our next segment, and I still don't know what that is. Yeah, well... Ghosted? Yeah. Ghosted with Chris Evans and Anna Darmus. Wow. Um, wow. And, yeah, but, like, that, that, the, you know, Netflix is really going to be the last holdout that's still making movies, and even Netflix is getting into theatrical games. Well, the Oscars bit, are going to try like, to make them change. Yeah, good. I mean, I, I saw Franklin Leonard, who I respect a lot, having a long... Twitter thread about um, about how that potential change might affect movies about uh, smaller you know, underrepresented movies, yeah. groups, and I think I understand where he's coming from, but at the same time, his argument hinged on the idea that like, what if you have this streaming direct to streaming movie that blows up and becomes the most talked about movie of the year and can't get nominated for the Oscars? And it's like, sorry, man, but that's literally never happened uh, because they can't <laughs> be the most talked about movie of the year without having the being in the media cycle of having theatrical, having that sort of profile, having the buzz build, having it organically become something that people are interested in seeking out. Um, it hasn't happened and it's not going to happen. Um, and so while I would love for under films by and about underrepresented groups to continue getting play at the Oscars in a way they didn't used to, I don't think that the streaming rules are going to have a negative effect on that. Um, I, I that hear a baby. baby. Really screaming. Yeah, I hear probably uh, means that I've been... Your Apple TV long. handler uh, telling you it's time to stop talking about Ghosted. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, you could go deal with the young Skywalker. She needs I, your help. When when Ray's when Ray not spelled like Skywalker spelled R E I when her uh, although you know there are worse Star Wars characters to be confused with. Um, oh, oh, definitely. But as her sleep pattern gets a little bit more regular and hopefully a little bit earlier, I will be back more for better or worse. Uh, we're gonna have to do a quarter start, quell one of these days. I don't even know what know, number episode days. we're doing. <laughs> we're and doing I'm today. probably gonna have to come back to talk about Bo's Afraid, which I am actually reviewing. Brandy Wire. Um, uh, and yeah, so we're we're, we're here for I you. I gotta go to Cannes, we're ready. which I'm you know. So there'll be God, you're going to Cannes? Holy there. moly! Yeah. You'll get to see mm. Dial of Destiny. <laughs> I sure will. Um, <laughs> no, I'm very I'm very excited and lucky to be able to go to Cannes. Uh, and um, it's hard to leave home at this particular moment, but um, it will. It's you know one of the great privileges of my job. I really enjoy it, and then I'm going to take June off so that I can be fully ready and back full time for the greatest month in the history of film, July. Got a whole oh for uh, bar- uh, Tom for Cruise bar- Barbie Oppenheimer weekend. I mean, that, which comes a week Mission after Impossible. Mission Impossible. Yes, um, <laughs> it's going to be great. All right, guys. We didn't even talk about the Barbie posters. All right. Good talking we'll to you. Thanks, David. Bye, David. Bye. 
Green plastic watering can For a fake Chinese rubber plant And a fake plastic girl Uh, for for a mini segment, uh, I don't know. I thought I was going to do a lot of different things. It's just you and me, Dave. Uh, are you as hyped for Barbie and specifically those Barbie teaser posters uh, as I am? I uh, here's my relationship with Barbie so far. First teaser was like, okay, this is going to be something. I like the idea of little girls, uh, 2001 Space Odysseying their dolls uh, <laughs> when Barbie comes along. But I didn't know what the movie was. So on uh, Trial by Content, we had uh, the great movie bet where we were trying to guess who, what movie was going to be uh, the most profitable. Mm-hmm. And our listener submission was actually Barbie. So profitable based on like budget versus box office? Uh, yeah, Neil, made a, uh, Neil Miller made a spreadsheet that he's going to plug in the final theatrical box office uh, into that has a couple of different factors like estimated advertising and wow. things like that. So you're, uh, you're, you're, you're kind of, you're working with the numbers you can find at least, even with some of these things right. we never we're, know. The we're going to try to do a good faith uh, judgment when we come back to the topic about which one uh, was the most profitable. Our four movies that ended up making it, uh, Joanna Robinson won the actual poll by guessing that, uh, in the into the the oh, I'm sorry across the Spider Verse uh, was going to be the most profitable movie, and I was like, nah, like the first one was a good movie, but it made like maybe two hundred million, a little over two hundred million dollars. Mm-hmm. So I think I'm pretty safe there. The second one was Neo with Mission Impossible uh, Seven Part One, uh, Death Reckoning Part One, mm-hmm. uh, which has a really good play unless it gets undercut by Oppenheimer Barbie Weekend. Then in third place was Barbie, and at first I was like, I don't know enough about this movie to say if this is a good pick or not. Then the second trailer came out mm-hmm. with the advertising gimmick of those posters, and it's really gaining on me, because okay. what it needs to be is a four-quadrant movie. Yes. And if it is, it's going to kick ass. Is it gonna, can it be a four-quadrant movie? Like, I mean, this is so reductive, but like, are boys going to go see this movie? I mean, I'm going to take my kids, although I did show them the trailer and they were like, I don't get it. Like, there's no, nothing really clicked for them. The trailer does, I think, as much as it can to be uh, appealing to that group with ending on the uh, no one's going to beat each other off joke. Yeah, but uh, I mean, my, 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 my sweet, innocent children did not get it. But there, yes, there are definitely right, uh, well, that, that's, that's there, the there are eight year olds who are, who are laughing at this. Yeah. Yeah, that's the whisp- the the whisper for the teenagers that they should show up even if it's uh looks like a girl movie. Sure. But also like I think Margot Robbie uh has a certain uh type of draw uh to the males and Ryan Gosling has a certain type of draw to the females. Sure. So all this all Barbie I think needs to be is uh entertaining and tongue in cheek. I don't foresee from what we've seen from it that it's going to have a sweet center to it that ends up being about something real. But then again, I know that based on movies and Greta Gerwig, uh, <laughs> we're getting at something. We're getting at something here. Yeah. Uh, well, don't you see the, in the, the amount of humans in those character posters where you see America Ferreira and a little girl who looks very much like she could play America Ferreira's daughter? Like that's that's where the like Lego movie vibes start coming in, I think. Yeah, and Lego and movie it, is very sweet in the end. Yeah, I think if it could do that, if it could do that switch that the Lego movie does, uh, then it it might uh, do incredibly well. And if it can, to bring up something we talked about last segment, if it can counter-program Oppenheimer, mm-hmm. then that's great. And if they manage to keep it in theaters without restricting it to like a 45-day window before it needs to be streaming... I think Barbie has a real chance. Oh, of, I think uh, I think numbers. I think what David said is right. I think the like the theatrical window thing is is back. Like I was looking at the box office mojo today to prove a point that like Avatar was like eleven at the box office last weekend. Like it's you can watch it at home. It's been up for sixteen weeks. Like movies are just play. I mean, the summer might be different because the windows are like, the competition's tighter. But mm-hmm. yeah, I think Warner Brothers learned from Elvis that it's worth keeping it. You know. 
out there. Although Creed, I guess Creed 3 kind of came to streaming pretty early, didn't it? Well, yeah, Creed 3 is on streaming now, but it also just had like an opening weekend that beat its representation. So maybe it will... I mean, because not everything's... I I hear what you're saying about Avatar, but not everything's Avatar in theaters. Of course. So uh, something like Creed, I think, would be a better example. But then again, maybe they just push it off. Maybe they just give it 60 days instead of 45. Maybe they beat it off. And that's enough. Yeah, maybe they beached off. Maybe that's the thing that gets beached off. <laughs> Did you have a favorite character poster? Uh, the one somebody photoshopped that said Barbie with an accent over it and had a picture of Lydia Tarr. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, I like, yeah, where the, there's a Lydia Tarr version because the Will Ferrell one says, I would like you to call me mother, which I cannot make heads or tails of, and I love that I don't understand what that means. And it just said she is uh, Petra's v- Vata. Uh, <laughs> Lydia Tarjok's still still kicking. Um, I know. People are going to see Tar and then get up retroactively get all the Tar jokes. <laughs> Speaking of legs, Tar is just going to linger with us forever. Um, I was a big fan of Midge. Emerald Fennel's playing Midge, who is a you know a real Barbie friend in the in the doll line. Uh, no clue, no clue what's going on there. This is the thing. There's so many characters. They can't possibly all be significant to the movie, but it makes the world seem rich. And the sense of humor on those posters was so spot on that it it just was such a, a jolt of faith. Even if you don't believe everything Greta Gerwig makes will be genius, which is certainly my stance these days. Yeah, it's going to be it. It's going to be fun. And yeah. really, really, that's what I've been having so far at 2023 in the movies. I've been having more fun. Uh, we'll wait and see what comes along post can to knock me back on my ass. And maybe I haven't, uh, I have not yet got to a thousand and one. So maybe that one is less fun than you made it sound, but it sounds oh, like did I make it sound fun's fun? back at the movies. I mean, you made it sound good. Oh, it is I good. I wouldn't call it movies. fun. Okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying Fair. to think of the next, like guardians of the galaxy is just not, I mean, I might see it. It's just not going to be my exact tempo, but like, in terms of summer blockbusters, like what's the first one that I'm like just gonna be hyped for? Is it Indiana Jones? Was something something coming? War uh, um, Memorial Day weekend? I'm not seeing. When does the fun start? When does the fun? Well, it depends. Like I guess what degree of fun you want to have. <laughs> um, Star Trek 2009 degree of fun. I, that's a that's a tough bar to. Clear. Oh, that is a that's a tough one because that like some people consider that uh, a classic of a certain time period. Mm-hmm. So when would I the when would the fun begin for Katie? On I mean, that? Fast X is is in there. I, I'm not not qualifying the Little Mermaid here. Just not doing it. Uh, I mean, I really would like Spider Verse to be good. Yeah, I would Spider-verse like Winfield to be good. Be- I'm looking at like summer blockbuster fun, and I think Spider Verse might be the first like slam dunk I'm looking toward. But right. we'll see. Maybe yeah. I'll be surprised before then. And then everybody else is bunched up around July and August. It'll be... What a ride that's going to be. But yeah, Barbie, you did it. Good trailers. <laughs> Keep going. Love Tell me what the things mo- to look forward to. <laughs> Tell me a little bit more about what the movie's about in the next one. But for right now, A-plus work, uh, yeah. Barbie marketing team. Yeah. We Here we are in the war room. Just two people <laughs> who went and saw Judges and Dragons out among thieves. But you went with a child. Sure uh, before did. we get too far into looking at this movie from the perspective of two adults, how did how did how did Charlie like it? I feel like Charlie's really been getting a lot of play on the podcast lately, and and I don't know how he would feel about it uh, if he was fully aware of it. So hopefully he doesn't mind. Um, in a good time. I'm going to tell you, like, this is kind of getting toward the end of the discussion, but, like, after it, he told me he likes movies where a team comes together and saves the day or saves the world. And I was like, all right, okay, I feel like we've really just got a skeleton key for what else we can watch. Because, like, I've never been able to get him interested in Marvel movies. He was very intrigued by the Flash trailer that aired before Dungeons and Dragons, no. which I don't. I don't know how that's going to be a movie I'm going to take him to. I, I, I can't get a read on it, really. Um, right. Well, also, that trailer is so much about 
pointing to things from movies he didn't see. I know. I was like, is it because you like Batman? He's like, no. (laughs) Just like the stakes of it seemed interesting. Um, But yeah, the idea of it being a team effort, I think, because what Dungeons and Dragons does so well is it introduces you to the team. It tells you what their thing is. It tells you what they want. It like gives you their group dynamic. Like that's the kind of the simplest building block you can need for a like team quest movie, but it does it so well. Um, it made me wonder if truly the next thing to show him is Star Wars. Like if that is just like the the blueprint team solving mm-hmm. problems movie. Um, but not to get too hard far ahead of it. Uh, he really liked it. The the creatures, like every time the creatures popped up, his, you know, ears really perked up the owl bear was a big hit. Uh the yeah. dragon uh, comes from stone, the like two hands fighting each other. There's some really like inventive action in this movie like it it uses the magic of this world to do like to surprise you in these different ways it like introduces tricks and spells and kind of you know sets up the dominoes and knocks him down in terms of what you expect um and i think for a story that like neither of us had any any knowledge going into it and we can talk about what you knew going into it um it established that world really well and um yeah i had a great time we both did oh yeah great do you have a good I time? Like, I, I had an extremely good time, but for <laughs> an entirely different reason, I feel like. Uh, which is like, th- there, there was another Dungeons and Dragons movie in like uh, 2000 or 2001 uh, that had Jeremy Irons in it as the bad guy and Marlon Wayans in it as like a thief. I uh, had no idea about this at all. It is not good. Uh, they're kind of embarrassed by it Mm, um but mm -hmm. also trying to treat it serious while being embarrassed by it and uh this movie i think the reason it works so well for me and then the reason why i'm hoping it could plug into other people and i'm excited that people have been watching it and liking it who haven't played dungeons and dragons is this is what it feels like to play Dungeons and Dragons. Hmm. This movie is what it feels like to play Dungeons and Dragons. If you start off on a like Dungeons and Dragons game, you have your party. The first thing you do is the dungeon master describes how you all got together. And then the party explains their backstory to each other. We start off oh, in a prison okay. and Chris Pine does that. That in itself is a throwback to how you play Dungeons and Dragons. Meanwhile, all the stuff they do from the different magic spells to the different creatures uh, that they run across are for the most part either directly from Dungeons and Dragons lore or um iterated for this movie based on the type of thing they are. So like the we at one point in the movie we see a dragon in the flashback uh that is killing all these people that eventually have to be resurrected. Mm-hmm. But that's a black dragon and he's like vomiting up uh like black ichor goo instead of fire. And that's exactly how a black dragon works. Then later on in the movie, we get the pudgy dragon uh-huh. who has a name because that is Thembrachad. You can play <laughs> a campaign where you have to deal with him. He lights the forge for some underdark uh, gnomes and they're so thankful that they keep their forge running. They just feed him and he doesn't have to move. That's how Thembrachad gets so big. Uh, <laughs> something's happened because he is in a different part of the underdark. Uh, than he's supposed to be in this movie. But again, I, I'm i not a big enough nerd to know that Thembrachad was in the wrong place. But I was uh, a big enough nerd to be like, oh my god, it's Thembrachad. And <laughs> Whereas we were like, it's a pudgy dragon. Like, I, I guess if I, had, on, if I had stopped to think like, both. oh, it's probably from the game, but like it did not occur to me in the moment because it just feels like another fun thing that you're encountering like so many things i'm like wow how did they come up with that has been around for 40 years of game lore but for me it just felt clever yeah and it's all being it's it's all being used not only in a like cooperative storytelling manner where you know like somebody will join the party in this case the paladin and then just be there for just for a task and then leave the party and the party sort of has to like level up in their understanding of each other but then it also has uh weird things where you could sort of if you are a tabletop game player and play dungeons and dragons you can feel the actual where the dice rolls would take place (laughs) like uh there's a there's a situation uh pretty early on where uh chris pine and michelle rodriguez are about to be beheaded 
and Michelle Rodriguez, who's a barbarian, looks down and there's a loose brick that she uses to block uh-huh. from being beheaded and uh-huh. then she uses a weapon. That's what happens when you roll a natural 20 when you're, you know, bound and about to be beheaded. You pick, you up, you pick up a loose brick. You do whatever you want, but absolutely kill at it. <laughs> and so that's great. And then there's also super dorky stuff like attunement. They get a helmet that they need to get mm-hmm. through a seal and blah, blah, blah. That, that, needs, that I figured was from the game. Yeah, he needs to attune from it, which means during a short rest, you need to sort of like focus on it and roll correctly. And then you could use the magical item. So the fact that all of these things kind of get uh, meshed together into this fantasy storytelling, I love that. That's just the geek part of me. The non-geek, the cinema part of me thinks that I love that we're back in a bright fantasy world. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's just me, but I spent a lot of my time in dark fantasy worlds where it's like, here comes the grit. Lots of people are going to die. Mm-hmm. The Ladriel's really going to want to kill that orc guy. Or in the case of uh, House of the Dragon, there's a whole bunch of incest. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Dungeons and Dragons is bright. It is funny. It has consequences, but it doesn't have consequences that are make you worry about your own mortality or anything like that. Yeah, or really about the characters all that much. Like it's very. That, uh, I mean, for taking a kid to it, like it's it sets up the stakes so that you're not really that worried about them the whole time. Right, and I think that's. Uh, I can't tell. For me, when I was watching it. I basically supplanted all the fun Easter eggs uh, for my need for character development because I do think the characters are light here. Sure. To the point that you we've been using the actor names. I don't know the character names. That no. went like right over my my head. Yeah. Uh, and they're all presence. Uh, uh, they're all enough of a presence to allow their roles to be that generic. Especially Chris Pine, mm-hmm. who like a bard does not have a lot to do in combat. But he does, you know, sort of uh, boost people up. He could give luck and that sort of thing and obviously sing songs, all of which Chris Pine's doing. But he's doing it as a character, which is the saving grace of this movie not being absolutely boring, is that each one of the actors inhabits the character and they have a good idea of what their character's moral compass and backstory is, even if it all sounds like gobbledygook Mm -hmm. by the time... By the time we meet the druid and she's like defending the Emerald Enclave. Which one's like, the druid? I know what the Emerald, uh, the one who does the shape shifting. Oh, the girl with the red hair. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, by the time she's like supposed to be defending the Emerald Enclave and like, I know what that is, but you have no reason to know what that is. No. And so she's like, I'm only going to join because, you know, I'm going to defend the Emerald Enclave. To most people, that's like, okay, then the druid joined the party. Like, who gives a shit? And it's really interesting to see a script like this that is um, leaning so far into the tabletop experience that it's not trying to make a hero out of one of the party members. Hmm. Like, I. You don't think Chris Pine is the hero? I think he's the one who has his story resolved. But if he wants to go with Michelle Rodriguez and, uh, you know raise a child while she looks for another halfling to love i don't think she needs to be in whatever dungeons and dragons sequel it is because i think the draw here is the world and the fun and the mechanics i don't think i was ever connected enough to any of the characters where i'm like i need to see that person in the sequel yeah i would agree with that and just to go back to the um who's what's the girl's name the uh, emerald isle in, Get the what's her name? Druid. Druid. Um, they introduce her and she's like, oh, she's like the young girl who's gonna have the relationship with the young sorcerer guy. Like there's like they have this flirtation set up from the background, and she's gonna be the like kind of like surrogate daughter who's brought into the group. Like they set up all of these like story roles for her to play that kind of have nothing to do with her background. Cause like her background, like you say, like it sort of matters that she's in it for a reason, but once you can get get that out of the way, like she's just kind of in the mix with everybody else. And I yeah. didn't really think about it again. And so it's really um, uh, like task to task in a very classic role playing slash adventure film way. In a classic like we're like heist movie way, you know, like they set up in the beginning, like we're going to break into this vault and then they figure out how to break into the vault. And that like I love it when they like set up what's going to happen and then they just do it. Yeah. So I think it really works and uh, it has a whole bunch of if you play D&D, there are endless Easter eggs in this movie. If you don't. I think you'll learn to love some of the things about D&D. Bird people, uh, cat people who are eaten by fish, uh, you know, 
paladins who are just ridiculously attractive. Is paladin uh, is that Regé Jean Page? Yes. Okay. God, he's so good in this movie. I was kind yeah. of gobs because I had I didn't watch Bridgerton, so I didn't really know of him other than like a handsome guy. But to be that like blandly virtuous character, but still also be funny and not actually be bland is really hard to do. And he did such a good job with it. Yeah, like he would be a great hero the second movie because he's not part of this group, but you definitely want to see more of him. Yeah. And he obviously has some sort of story that is, uh, you know, uh, he was he was there during Zaz Tam's rise to power, which we got to see in flashback. And then also, I think it's funny that Zaz Tam was a very recognizable red wizard name, uh, but who only shows up in flashback and then in glowing eyes. And then they're sort of like, he's there. Oh, is he, bad, is, is he going to be in the, the next bad one? Guy is, I mean, I don't he doesn't need to be. That's just so D&D. Is it like it's like if you want to take years of your life and explore to the biggest bad, you absolutely can. But for the most part, you're going to be a group that's trying to get by and get caught up in somebody else's shit. Um, that is, it really rings true to me. So I think I want another one. Yeah. Not because this one was like groundbreaking. But because this one, I think, has its foot in the door that was trying to be shut, which is like fantasy for the sake of being fun. Mm -hmm. I would like more of that. So when you were talking about Charlie likes movies where a team gets together and you know goes to save the world, I don't you gotta wait a couple of years for Lord of the Rings trilogy. Yeah. yeah. That's just a lot. Yeah. But that is what he's talking about. Mm -hmm. He's talking about the building of the fellowship to go, you know, take on something. So like he might like uh Let's see, the slightly less scary one of the three, I think. But like maybe Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Yeah. You got to get the father son together and punch yeah. the Nazis. Well, like that. Yeah. Like I said, it like felt like such an unlocking thing being like, OK, this is how a story worked. And this is why I thought of the original Star Trek. And I could like I need to go back. Not, not sorry. Not original Star Trek. The 2009 Star Trek. Forgive, forgive me. Yeah. Don't, um, want, don't show him the original Star Trek. No. He will hate it. Star <laughs> no, Trek no. for forever. Oh, my God. Yeah. I've seen that one. I understand the problem. Um, But yeah, like that one's where like you meet all the members of the team and Chris Pine's in it. And like Chris Pine really don't underestimate him as just like someone who you will follow along with whatever you're watching play out on screen like when i saw the 2009 star trek i really had no background in trek whatsoever and i was just like okay great whatever this guy's up to i'm i'm, I'm buying it um it, it's such a good formula for introducing someone to any kind of world and it's not just the fact that the cast is really charismatic like the screenplay does goes a long way but for me to feel so engaged in a Dungeons and Dragons world that I knew nothing about whatsoever I mean I was thinking about our old friend Warcraft Warcraft did not do that uh, I don't don't remember the movie all that well I'm going to be honest but right. I do not remember having well, that Warcraft feeling in Warcraft was, had like a darker story too yeah. and it was yeah. all like rainy and whatever and this is just all brightly lit and they tackle a bird man named Jonathan out a window so they could survive <laughs> like uh, and that's the callback at the end I love it yeah. uh, there's Hugh Grant also great really in this movie speaking of that there's, there's just like really good performances all over this thing I mean and it needs to be good performances they wouldn't be anchored the problem with the original like the, the what this one does good is it's like Hugh Grant's the bad guy for the most part but he also has this red wizard woman who is going to step up to be like the big antagonist sure. after Hugh Grant's shoved out of the way. They tried to make that one character in Jeremy Irons in the first movie. Mm -hmm. And you just can't like this. This world can't be taken seriously uh, <laughs> or it's going to start falling apart. Mm -hmm. So the more you could keep the good times rolling, like the better uh, I, you know, would I would love to see this uh, go forth. And if if it got popular enough that people started like recognizing the world, if in the sequel they're able to show Neverwinter and you're like, oh, yeah, I remember that, then maybe they could base like things on character based stories because there are some great characters in Dungeons and Dragons lore. But right now. I'm with Charlie, man. Just put a team together and have them go save the world. Well, that's uh, also that's... a great miracle of the Lord of the Rings movies is that for someone like me, and you know, seeing those movies again, I didn't have that much knowledge to be like, thousands of years ago, four rings were forged in the Mount yeah. of Mordor. And like, for, for me to be like, oh, for God's sake, like you got to have a light touch with it. Um, like Lord of the Rings movies got away with it. Almost nothing else can. And that's why the Dungeons and Dragons thing um, plays so well. Yeah. I, I know it was not four rings. rings. It was 
11 rings? How many rings was it? Who cares? <laughs> uh, in between rings of power airing on Amazon, I don't I don't have to know. Uh, yeah, I, I I I would say check it out. Here's where Matt Patches who got sick and was oh, yeah. able to make this podcast did write in with one thing, which is that he liked it, but he doesn't understand people heaping like five out of five masterpiece praise on it. And that is the Matt Patch's opinion. He's not here to defend himself, <laughs> which means I could say, he let people like some shit. Who's giving it five out of five masterpieces? I don't think anyone's. I, yeah, I think that's that's hyperbole. Like, I think people were pl- pleasantly surprised by it. And I think people who were invested in D&D like you are, are so relieved. And I think justifiably like, oh, they did. They didn't make me feel like an idiot for, <laughs> for this thing that I like. Yeah. And not to tip my hand too much, but uh, we're going to be revisiting a s- movie trying a similar thing uh, next week. Talking about Air. No, I'm talking about the Super Mario Brothers movie. <laughs> and watching these two things back to back and realizing that the things that I'm enjoying might not necessarily be the plot uh, can s- come out differently. It's like, it's like rolling a dice. Mm. Really, at the end of the day... Dungeons and Dragons stuck with me because it was so simple. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wasn't uh, like with the character or whatnot, but I remember laughing several times that basically every member of the party and I wanted to go back and get out of the movie and text my D&D group and be like, oh my God, he's a Harper. Like, remember Brian when you were a Harper in that campaign we had and like blah, 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 blah. Or like when they scrolled over the map, they scrolled over that part where you guys did this thing. Uh, it really extends outside of the theater and the movie uh, as an entertainment piece for me, which I like. But then again, mostly what I want here, and I'm sure mostly what Hasbro wants here, is Katie, did this, do you have any interest in D&D now? Like playing a tabletop version. If we lived in the same place... I would say, let's play D&D. Like, I've played Settlers of Catan. Like, I've been playing Marvel Snap. Like, I, clearly the like the pieces are there, but, like, I need a guide. Like, D&D has felt like something far too per- forbidding to jump into by myself, whereas I could go buy a ticket to the movie. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I, would, like, I think that, like, when Charlie's a little bit older, I don't think he's ready to, like, jump into a full D&D game yet. But uh, I can absolutely... I'd be thrilled for him to, like, get into D&D as a teenager. Like, you know... That seems like a very good outcome for your son in the TikTok age. Exactly. And it's not just for nerds anymore, Katie. It could be for everybody. <laughs> what does your D&D group think of the movie? Um, most of them I don't think I've seen it yet. What? Uh, All right, well, Hasbro's got to get that together. I know. I've got a lot of, um, should I see this or the Mario Brothers movie uh, this weekend? And you're uh, like, why not both? This week. Well, I was like... Uh, Dungeons and Dragons will take more time, but because it's you guys, Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah. Uh, the ones that have uh kids, uh, ages six and below. I said, if you're taking your family, go Super Mario Brothers. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I I think you know we've talked again about how I keep taking Charlie to things that are definitely not for kids, and you know, recently PG thirteen movies. Like this is a good movie for him. I mean, I think it'd be a good movie for like a nine ten year old, but most kids his age, I do not think we're, right. are going to go. See well, I think this. Charlie, if if you could sit through. Titanic and two avatars. <laughs> Dodgers and Dragons is nothing. Is nothing. Is nothing. Yeah, it is. It is surprisingly yeah. long, but I didn't think it wore out as welcome to badly. <laughs> that that also feels like a D and D session because mm, like so- those things last like four hours. So <laughs> I, I I felt the whole scope. Uh, Dungeons and Dragons in theaters. Honor now. among oh. thieves. Dungeons and Dragons. Honor among thieves. Yes. Do not watch the movie just called Dungeons and Dragons unless you want to see Jeremy Irons who was cast in a role that doesn't fit him, but he understood the assignment Mm. and just like froths and yells and summons golden dragons. So uh, if you want to have a good time, Dungeons and Dragons, Honor Among Thieves, go see it in theaters. Give it some legs. Legs like an owl bear. Legs like an owl bear. Dumps like a truck. Um, (laughs) All right. We did it. Just us. So next week. We did it. Am I gonna see Mario? I realize we have it on the schedule. I still don't know. Like we're like leaving town this weekend. Maybe we changed the subtitle of the book. And oh yeah, what'd you change it to? Chapter. 
He went from the rise of Marvel Studios to the reign of Marvel Studios. Okay, yeah, Joanna texted me saying that she they were you were trying to figure it out. Yeah, and uh, anyway, so I missed all my air screenings, so I'm going to see air at noon on Saturday, but I'll be ready for both. My uh, we're going to be in Aiken this weekend, and it's going to be raining like the whole time. And so maybe I'll just convince everyone to go see Mario. <laughs> yeah, why not? It's like. A little under 90 minutes. It's under 90 minutes? I think by a smidge. Wow, that's really short. For like a movie this big? Wait, let me look again. No, it's, I'm looking at Fandango. Oh, 132. 132, but that's with credits. Yeah, so it's like a little under 90 minutes. Wow, God, John Wick Chapter 4, two hours, 49 minutes long. That is outrageous. <laughs> I mean, that one is, but... It's up to Mission Impossible to be a better action movie because John Wick 4 fucking slaps. Well, anyway, I'm not taking we talked about that last week. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. That does it for this week's episode. Um, I think three of us. Be- Honestly, you'd never know. David might be back next week. I, I don't know. So we'll yeah. we'll see. Mystery the mystery lives on. We're gonna talk about Super Mario Brothers and Air. 80s throwbacks all over the place. Um in the meantime, Dave, who are you? I'm, I'm Dave Gonzalez. Uh, you can find Matt Patches on Twitter at Mr. Patches. He is the, the entertainment editor at Polygon. You could find uh David Ehrlich on Twitter at David Ehrlich. Uh and he uh, works for IndieWire, just not not right now. Uh, I'm Dave Gonzalez. You can find me on Twitter at DA7E. You can also hear me on the Trial by Content podcast. You can email all of us at fitwr.podcast at gmail.com. Oh, I'm sorry. Trial by Content is taking the month of April and doing Nicolas Cage stuff. So if you like Nicolas Cage movies, I'm watching like 16 Nicolas Cage movies this month. Come join me. And uh, yeah, that's it. That's, That's it for me. Good time. Uh, I'm Katie Rich. You can find me at Vanity Fair on the Little Gold Men podcast. Uh, what did we even talk about? What did we talk about this week? We talked about can rumors, and uh, I think we mentioned vaguely the idea that the Academy um, might require new rules for people for things being in theaters. So, um, if you want to mm-hmm. know more about that, uh, listen to that. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Katie Rich, K A T E Y R I C H, and we're all on Twitter at F I T W R. Where you can tell me if you still have your blue check mark because I think I still have mine. I don't know what's what's the latest over there. Uh, or much more importantly, you can answer this week's lightning round question, which was: In honor of the Super Mario Brothers movie, what is your favorite game featuring Mario? Thanks for listening, and we'll be back talking to you next week. Watch the weapons song for the mic feet Cause you floating up in the area You're lazing, I'll put you there You're not delivering your step Because none of your dogs is there Where they at? Who? Hiding from the truth Just like you, lying through your truth Talking bulletproof, where's the proof? All my dogs and sounds, cut up your town Where the mama, watch this kind of sound Make your favorite rappers look like clowns Honey, pound, bonafide, take your shooters out Run the bell, home and take the mic Put it on the ground, I'm a grandstand Ain't nobody touching on my halo I'm done.